Hi everyone, it's Lisa Gregg. Let's highlight real. Welcome to this week's episode of Highlighting Real with my friend Kelsey Wright Johnson. This episode takes you from the OUA, so the Ontario University Association, to the MBA and is centered around the realities and often unglamorous parts of chasing down dreams. This is a casual and candid conversation between two friends who met on a basketball court and played for the same basketball coach in university. Kelsey is currently the NBA host and digital contributor for the Memphis Grizzlies, making her the only Canadian female NBA host in the USA. To say that I am proud of her is a complete and total understatement. We talk about navigating online harassment because that struggle is so real for many women in the field, what it took for her to become a sports correspondent for the NBA, the importance of mentorship, having a support village, and the life lessons learned from team sports. We also take a deep dive into the value of Swiss LA sauce. This episode is dedicated to our former coach, Sandy Pottier, who taught us a lot of lessons about grit, rising to challenges, and chasing down our dreams. Sandy died on January 21st of 2012, but we continue to be grateful for the legacy she left us. Join Kels and I as we highlight the reality of goal-getting, dream chasing and being a woman in sport. Um, but it's a big deal. So I, I need you to share with everyone um, what it is that you do. Okay. Surface is actually easy. I can do that to begin. Okay. Um, so I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. I've been here for almost a year. I actually have my one year lease renewal coming up. So that's how I know. Um, I work with the Memphis Grizzlies and the Memphis Grizzlies also have this like, it's nothing you could relate to because in Canada, the Raptors like don't have this, but they have like their own media company. Okay. So I work half with the Grizzlies, like the team. And then I work half with their media company. Um, and that's grind city, right? Grind City media. Yes. Yep. So, um, obviously all of everything job description wise has changed since Corona because we can't do a lot of the game day stuff. And we haven't been in the office since March 10th. Um, so my exact title I think is Memphis Grizzlies host grind city media, digital contributor. Okay. So super short. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, looks really great on uh, business cards. Yeah. Um, but right now I'm not really doing a lot. Of, I guess the Memphis Grizzlies hosting, I'm hosting a podcast with the Grizzlies where we, um, talk to players and coaches and stuff like that, but not really anything um, with game day, obviously. So before the hiatus, we were doing pre and post game for Fox. Um, and then grind city media, I write and give my opinions and people sometimes listen. I don't know. Oh my God. Stop it. Of course they do. And so for people who are like Memphis Grizzlies, what like the NBA. Um, and so correct me if I'm wrong, but are you not the first female Canadian NBA I feel like reporter is not the right term because it's so much more than that. Not to downplay yeah. reporters, but what would be the actual, like, I mean, journalist encompasses so much, but really. I guess, no, it is journalists technically. Um, I actually think it was Ryerson that like broke that because one of the, she interviewed me, one, someone yep. from her school newspaper. And I think she was the one who originally was like, there's been no other Canadian, like female Canadians. We've had like Mark Jones and, you know, we've had them in the, like in Canada, like we have Kate Burness and Kayla Gray, but no one in the States. Um, and so from there, once she wrote that, 
a bunch of other stories started to come out and I was like, oh my gosh, like to be the first of anything is an honor. I know that sounds so cheesy, but like, honestly it is. No, but it is an honor. Right. And I just like, we'll talk about this a bit more, but like you are like breaking down some barriers. So hopefully the young girls and women coming behind you can actually do this, that I know how much you've just busted your ass to get where you are. Like, it's so funny to say that because today I had a little time in the morning. Um, I YouTubed my name and I know that sounds so stupid. No, I think you have to do it. <laughs> I was watching some of my like old videos and I was like, I can't believe I was doing so much of this work. Like all of it was for free. Mostly it was sports that I don't know about. Like I was watching a lacrosse video, a figure skating video. I was like, the things I have done and I would love to erase from the internet, but also it's like a piece of me. So it's nice to go back and look. Right. And so with that, so like before you, and I mean, I don't want to like assume, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I mean, from what, I mean, for those who don't know, like Kelsey and I played for the same basketball team, just not at the same time at Ryerson University in Toronto. And so basketball has always been your jam. That's your passion. It's what she's incredible at also, by the way. Um, So to be in the NBA is the dream. And we'll talk more about like what's next because like Kelsey, you're not even 30. I know. (laughs) I know. And I mean, it's not about age, but it's like how much you've accomplished in your twenties is unreal. And so before, before you went South and before you got to Memphis, like what, like what started this for you? What was kind of the moment where, you know, you did your four years at Ryerson, you did your one year at London, played basketball, all five captain, leading scorer, MVP. I could go on and on and on. Um, but that's like, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's my past. But so you did all of those things. And then what was it that really, like what propelled you forward? What got you in the door? Let me go back just a little more and then answer your question. The reason I even got into journalism is because I had shitty grades in math and science. I had really good grades in English. And Sandy, who we both had as a coach, was like, come to my school. We have a good journalism program. I was like, what the hell is journalism? So like literally the only reason I'm here is even because of her. So classic, classic Sandy, right? Where she's like, listen, as, as the former business school dropout, where I was like, I don't want to take business. I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, you should stay and play basketball. So let's look at other programs. I think you would like social work. <laughs> and right. I'm like, okay, thanks, Sandy. Thanks, Sandy P. Yeah. So, okay. I didn't know that. So journalism, I still yeah. remember all of that admission process. So you came to us into journalism. So, oh my God. Okay. Your mom actually, like I wrote my admissions essay. You had to be like, why you wanted to get into journalism. And I honestly didn't know what journalism was. Like I knew like there's yeah. a newspaper, but like, I didn't know her mom edited it and like changed a whole lot. <laughs> And eventually like got me in. Like it's literally because of Sandy that I am here. Like no joke. Like I had no clue. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. And then even like throughout, um, probably the first three years of my, at Ryerson, I didn't want to do sports. Mm -hmm. Like I kept like my basketball side and then my schooling side very separate. I wanted to be like a foreign correspondent and like go to like Afghanistan and like report back. And then eventually I was like, wait a second. Like I, freaking love basketball. Why would I not combine these two? Yeah. Um, and then, so my last year at Ryerson and my year at Western, I focused a lot on sports and my professors 
like were not supportive of it, which really sucked. Um, okay. So then I got to Western and Georgia, you, Georgia. Was yeah. I there played with- for Georgia. Okay. So Georgia was my high school coach and then also stayed at Ryerson when I was in college. So I've known her like literally my entire life or like adult life, semi-adult. Um, and so she sent me a link to a, um, scholarship and the scholarship was a week or two weeks in Russia covering the world university games. And I was like, I'm literally never going to get this. Like it's one person in Canada who's going to get this, like no friggin' way. She's like, stop being an idiot, just apply. So mm-hmm. I ended up getting it. And like for the in, record, Georgia yeah. did actually say stop being an idiot because that's exactly what she would say. No, that's a direct quote. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's something she says to me on a weekly basis. <laughs> stop being stupid. I'm like, you're right. Um, okay. So I was in my master's program. It started, I graduated in April and then this program started in May and the scholarship was for July. Okay. And my professors at Western literally said no, like They'd never had a varsity athlete in their master's program before. So they already kind of were like, had that prejudice that I would be missing school or I would be trying to get out of assignments because I had games. I don't know what it was. Um, but they literally said, no, they're like, if you miss two weeks, you're out of the program. Um, so we put up this huge stink. We got the Dean and the AD and it was like this huge deal. Um, they finally let me go, which was like, it was crazy to me because I was in a master's program to eventually get real world experience yeah. and like become this. And I, I had this opportunity anyway. So they let me go and it was my very first scrum. Um, so like, actually, you know who it was? It was Brady Heslip who played on the national team and yep. Canada played Brazil and they had this game and I was in my scrum, had my little microphone forward. And it was that moment that I was like, yeah, this is what I'd like to do. Like, I want to be in basketball. I want to be a sports reporter this is it. And that was my kind of like aha moment. I love it. And then from there, you like when you went over to Russia, this is when you would have been covering all of the sports. Yes. So yeah. I went to uh, five World University games and that's summer and winter. So like, I don't, I don't even think I can name them all. Like we did track and field, hockey, figure skating, gymnastics. We'd, have you ever heard of Wushu? Uh, no, I've not heard of Wushu. Of course you haven't. So I covered Wushu. I covered chess. Um, <laughs> I love it. Like literally anything you can, like, it's like an Olympic. So like yeah. every sport under the sun and then the host country gets to add their own sport. So that was one with Wushu. It was in Taiwan. Uh, it was like kind of like dancing with swords. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> what? So other than basketball, what would have been, what was the most surprising or your favorite one to cover? Mm. Mm. Oh, pairs figure skating. Yeah. It's so like, I, I cried watching it. Like, right. As a, as like a childhood figure skater, I still like, it's this weird attachment to watching the Olympics. It's still something that I always have to watch. That's funny. Pairs figure skating. It's just amazing to watch them connect on ice with blades on their feet. Right. Like he like throws her up and like, just she trusts him. I don't know. It was just beautiful. I'm going to yell teary. Yep. That's yep. so, and what was the, um, most difficult, not the one that you disliked the most, but what was the most complicated sport that you've had to cover? Um, okay. I had to work. This is going to sound crazy because we're from Canada. But <laughs> I was like, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> I had, I covered the, like I worked 
like full part-time job working with the Marlies, the Toronto Marlies last season. Hockey team for those who don't know. Yeah. It's like the farm, the farm league of the Leafs or the farm team of the Leafs. And I think that this was the most difficult job I've ever had because I one didn't want to look stupid mm-hmm. and I'm interviewing the actual players after each period. And then at the end of the game and like, I didn't know what a blue line was. Like I didn't know literally yeah. nothing about cause hockey and basketball is the same season. Yep. And I have to like ask these players, these like analytical questions. And I, I don't know. It was hard. It's complicated. Again, I think it's like, because we're Canadian, it's expected that we're just, it's like instinctive for us, but we've never played. I mean, I've never played hockey. You haven't played hockey. Right. So in fear of like, like these questions where it's like, you want to sound smart and you want to sound like, you know, the sport because you don't want to be that stereotypical girl sports reporter who just like, so like, how do you feel? So like mm-hmm. that was a really, really difficult kind of like transition and like learning curve. Was That's like, you're like my perfect segue person, right? So the whole not wanting to look dumb and look stupid and all of those stereotypes that come with what I'm going to assume being a woman in sport. So what, like how much... I think, I guess, like, I'm assuming basketball because, again, your familiarity with the sport is very helpful with your knowledge of the game. But how much work do you have to put in pre and post game to ensure that you come across as who you are? That's a great question, actually. Um, I think I've even noticed it this year is at the beginning of the year. And so, okay, so I work, and I know this is not like a flex, but like, it's just the job. I work every single day with the players. Yeah. So after every single practice, after every single game, like they have to come talk to me. So at the beginning of the year, you know, and it could even just be like these, these biases that they don't even realize, but they treat you as if you're another reporter and mm-hmm. I can see the shift in them when they find out I was a college basketball player and then, you know, at practice, like a ball rolls over and I like pass it like a regular human being, not like, Oh, I'm going to break my nail. And I can, I saw the shift in their minds throughout the season as to like how they answered my questions. So at the beginning of the year, if I was like, Hey, you had a plus 51 game, whatever, whatever. They'd be like, yeah, it was great. Blah, blah, blah. Later in the season, if I ask the exact same question, they're like, yeah, I felt like this defensive shift was happening here. Like it was more in depth and they, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's just, I haven't had a lot of bad experiences in terms of like gender stuff. And I've been really thankful for that. Um, But yeah, I don't even think it's necessarily preparing more. I think it's more, you have to, like it takes longer to earn respect from people than it would if you showed up and you were a guy. Yeah. It's that like that that credibility thing that needs to happen, hey. But you have to earn it rather than like just getting it. Because yeah. I know a lot of girls who get like that respect right off the get just because they show up and they like look mm-hmm. the part. Absolutely. 
And so, of course, like they have this assumption in their head about you. It'd be so curious, hey, like behind the scenes, if they didn't feel edited, to like to ask some of the guys, like, tell me, tell me what your like initial opinion was of Kelsey before you spoke with her, because like you are so feisty, Kels. So I think that they would have been so thrown off guard by the fact that like if they would have even just like disregarded something, you would have been like, oh, um, excuse me, let yes. me just throw down some stats and let's talk the game if you want to talk the game. Yeah. So yeah. that's what you like. I what a gift actually to the organization to have that, and it's just so refreshing to see an empowered, intelligent woman just bringing bringing the bringing her a game. They've put me in a lot of positions, um, which I love because I want to be an analyst one day, and I know we'll talk about the future. Um, but they've the Grizzlies since the hiatus have put me in a position where. I'm on a lot of our shows that are like debating or opinion based, which I like yep. love because I get to have that kind of like, I don't agree with that. And this is why, 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 as opposed to just asking a player like how he's feeling or how his game went, which I also love, but I, I was love like, having- uh, Kelsey, ask any referee in the OUA back when we played that you didn't love to debate. <laughs> you know, I still have a referee who follows me on Instagram who literally comments on all my pictures being like, remember that time I gave you a tea? I'm like, you know what? Everyone gave me a tea. Stop. Yes. I remember. <laughs> Everyone but your mama. <laughs> yeah. She probably would have though. She totally would have. Right. Also talk about following in footsteps because, um, tell me about your, your mom. Was she the first female to yes. officiate a male mm-hmm. university basketball game? Right. Yeah. I was like, listen, Penny's the bomb. Penny. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I was going to make sure I did that name. Right. I was like, there's oh, only no. a couple of women, but yeah, Penny was the bomb. Did she wreck you? She did. Yeah. And then she moved over to the West when I came. She did. Yeah. When you came up, but she like refed all of our games and like Sandy would just, of course, just. Yeah, that's fine. Attack every official. Right. And so she didn't hold it back against your mom. That's for sure. I played for Charles for two years and he attacked, attacked officials. So like. It's fine. You're fine, right? But yeah, so again, following, talk about like following in some like pretty significant footsteps. I mean, your mom also helped pave the way a little bit there too. Yeah, I think growing up, I didn't even like, looking back, I'm like, holy crap, I have such a badass mom who like, we talk about breaking barriers, like totally did. But growing up, you don't realize it. Like as a 16 year old girl, I'm just like, cool mom. Yeah. Go buy me some makeup. Like I'm done. I don't care. But now I'm like, man, like what an accomplishment. I'm going to force right? my kids to care about what I do. Right. <laughs> and like, yeah. And like, there's like, but I think that that's like so normal, right? I think we do. We look back at all of the sacrifices and like, of course now as a mom, I'm like that our moms made, I mean, our parents made, I, I know that your, your dad is in that same, mm-hmm. same level as well, knowing your dad, but just the sacrifices that are made. And, but also that like, we do what we have to do as women. Yeah, And so if we have to fight a little bit longer or harder and stronger and get in there, we, we just, we do, it needs to get done to get where we want to go. Yeah. I just, I don't know. And maybe it is having my mom as who she was growing up, but I never saw like, and actually bringing this up, I never saw like being a female, something that would hold you back. And I saw a meme just yesterday that was literally me as a kid. Oh, wait, I, I want to find it because I think I have it on my phone. I Please do. It. Okay. I screenshot it because I was like, yes, this was me growing up. Okay, here it is. So I'll show you the picture. But it yep. says, 
third grade teacher, like she's talking, I need some strong boys to carry these chairs. Me as a nine-year-old girl, already sick of the sexism. And it's like a person like carrying a hundred chairs. Oh my God. I saw that meme. It's- Did you? That was me growing up. I'd always be like a boy. Like, <laughs> let me get these always. I called out so many teachers. But I think though, but like Kels, that's like, that's the spark of your personality, which is why you are where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, again, I'm, I'm, we're never going to like, we're not going to get through a conversation and not acknowledge our own privilege that allows us to even believe that we can do certain things because we don't have barriers in front of us that are completely mm-hmm. out of our control, you know? So yes, there's of course privilege, but once we have our privilege, then you have that personality that's just saying like, oh, hell no, I'm, I'm in it. Yeah. What do you yeah. need me to there's, do? There's been a lot of people and I find it sad that gave up. Like I think out of the people that graduated in my journalism class, like only a handful of them are actually doing journalism. And I've had so many people when I was coming up in like Toronto sports media, like so many people in front of me quit and like went into real estate or went into like PR. And I always say this to my husband, like I didn't have a plan B, like Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything else. So, so this is what you did. Yeah. And so, and you, you touched on it, but I, I do want to go there for like, like what, what's next? And I'm not trying to like, be like, you're leaving the organization or it's not about like this, like restlessness. Cause that's not the case at all, but it's about like, I'm sure that there's a lot of people like listening or seeking this that are like, are you kidding me? You know, you're, you're in the NBA, you're, you're doing it for some people. They will, they will have say, Oh my God, you've made it. Um, but for you, I just know that there's always, there's always more oh, building. Yeah. Um, and so what, like what, where, where do you want to go? What's the, what's the dream? Okay. I am like very, very, very Capricorn. So like, I'm super ambitious and like always have that next step. Um, it's a little difficult and like, it's something that I wouldn't have thought before I got here, but the whole visa situation. So like being on a work visa isn't easy. No. Um, so right now my visa, it costs a lot of money too. Like a lot, a lot, a lot, like more than you think. Um, and Give so us a right number, now, Give us a number if you don't mind sharing like a rough number. Cause I think people just don't even get it. My visa costs over 15,000. Yeah. That's a lot of money to put up when you're starting to go out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To go earn money. Okay. Visa right now is, um, three years. Yep. So I'm like, obviously going to be here for three years. I'd love to be here longer. That's not the case. It's just like the reality of it is that I have three years here. Um, so looking forward, you either renew that, renew that visa for another three years and commit to having six years here or look for something else and hope that they're able to get the visa because you can always get turned down. Um, so it's like, it's that fine line between getting comfortable here and putting in roots and like hoping your visa even gets renewed Mm -hmm. because you can get denied for the renewal. And then also like, if I'm going to start looking for another job, what happens then? But anyway, that's beside the point. My next, um, I would say my next goal is I want to be like on the full-time broadcast team of an NBA team. Okay. And then from there I want to be an analyst. Like I want to be not the pretty girl on the sideline asking questions. I want to be like at the table analyzing a basketball game, but I'm never leaving the NBA ever. I refuse to leave now. They're stuck with me. I don't imagine that you're going anywhere in the NBA, Kels. <laughs> but yeah, I, that's okay. That's exciting. And I mean, not to mention, and I mean, even though you say like, but that's beside the point about the visa, like 
it's so complicated and you are in a city by yourself. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I cried when I dropped my mom off and because of COVID, I haven't been able to go home. No one's been able to come visit me. It's been really, really, really lonely. I can't even, I I can't imagine, right? Like we put like distance and borders, like, yeah, like, but now when it's like, you actually can't, and that's taken away from you, like the world has, has just grown so much in size with all of these barriers in place. So what do you do? What have you been like, other than like, you know, really diving into work Mm -hmm. and adopting or a dog, but like, what, what do you do? What do you do to take care of you and all of this? Um, I know this might sound like really depressing, but I cry a lot, but I find it therapeutic. Oh yeah. No, no. That's cathartic. Like shed the tears. It's better than avoiding them. Oh yeah. I cry probably like five times a week, but it's not like I'm so sad. I'm depressed crying. It's like, I just got to get these emotions out so I can move on with my day. And I actually find that helps. Yeah. It's called grief. Um, yeah. Walking's been good. Like I walk my puppy for like long, like I feel bad for him. Like we go for long walks and then thank God for FaceTime. Like I FaceTime yeah. my husband and my mom probably like three hours a day. Good. Yeah. That's really, really good because like that is like the virtual connection that we need to have when you're so far away. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to then kind of transition us over to go back to career for a bit before we jump into like what you're doing to take care of yourself, because I need to know what, um, what have been your biggest barriers? My biggest barriers, um, man, I feel like there's so many barriers and yet like your biggest barrier is yourself, right? Like your biggest Mm -hmm. barrier is like your confidence in yourself because I can't tell you how many times, like I wanted to just hang it up. Um, because this is like, like you said, like I'm, I'm 29 right now and this is my first full-time job. Yeah. Like I've never had a full-time job before this. Um, so I think that confidence in yourself and like, I was so lucky that money wasn't a barrier for me because if you don't have savings, like you, I couldn't have, I worked for free. Like I volunteered for years because that was the only experience that I could get. Um, and I say money wasn't an issue because after school I went up to, um, I moved up to the Arctic, like to none of it for a year. And I saved a crap load of money. Like in a year I was able to save like 80 grand. So smart. Um, yeah, I know. It, it set the foundation for me to be able... I literally went with $0 because I came back. I traveled. My dad bought me like a... So spoiled. My dad bought me like a trip after graduation. I, I came back this. with $0. I saved so much money in the Arctic just because like I didn't have a phone. I didn't have TV. I didn't have anything. So like I had no expenses. Um, and so it allowed me to come back down to Toronto and just like work for free. I was doing like... I was at one point I was living like three out or maybe, maybe two hours from where I was living to, I would drive to Scarborough where the TSN or CTV studio is do like a two minute hit and then for free and then drive home. And that would be what I did for the day. And so like, that's four hours driving for two minutes, but it got in my mind, it got me exposure. It got me experience. I was on live TV. Um, so I think that was probably like, 
number one, the biggest thing is not, not quitting when I didn't get jobs or I did interviews and I didn't get it, or I saw other people like getting jobs and ahead of me and all that. And then also like money, like you have to be able to work for free and not everyone can do that. That's such a valuable point, right? Because I think that that's, people love to make up stories in their own heads as to why people get what they want or don't get what they want. And, you know, some people don't have as much, some people stay very stuck in that victim mentality. Um, you know, but I think it is like, like you said, it's, you made a lot of decisions to put yourself in the position to do what needed to get done to get the exposure. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, those were hard days though, like, Oh, and it wasn't a handout though. There was no, like from, from what I've put together, Kelsey, even from what you've like shared tonight or just like the following along, like there's not this like huge big break moment. It's a bunch of little moments and people say that over and over and over, right? Like they always think that there's this big break that happens and it's like, no, it's a series of events that build the snowball. Well, you know what? The snowball happened probably the last two years I was working And it literally went, it was this easy, not easy, but like this, like literally a snowball. So I started working. Yeah. (laughs) I started working, um, high school basketball games because my husband was coaching from there. I was coaching like, I was like doing, um, play by play for like a good team in high school, I guess. So then they had this opportunity to, um, a bunch of these players from the high school team were in the all Canadian game. And so the people who were putting on the all Canadian game were in my gym. And I literally just went up to them and I was like, hi, I'm Kelsey. I work these games. It's really nice to meet you. I know you guys are doing this. Let me know if there's ever opportunities. The next year he's like, Hey Kelsey, you've been covering these high school kids for two years. Why don't you come do the all-star game? The all-star game was on TSN. And so when I worked the all-star game, I was able to, you know, meet the producers and the directors there. I'm like, hi, I'm Kelsey. I'd like to do more. This is me. Hello. And then from there, it slowly started being like, I keep emailing you. I keep wanting meetings. Eventually they're like, oh my God, Kelsey. Okay, fine. Right. You can do this. Persistence. From covering high school. Like. Yep. Girls got some grit. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Right. Like, and it, like, it's so, again, it sounds like all cliche and stuff like that, but like, it's even like when I work with students, I'm like, never, ever devalue the value of like the elevator pitch. Like yeah. just no, but and more so about like who you are, what you're about and what you want to do because mm-hmm. that, a lot, that, you know, and your confidence enabled you to like rush over to find these people to be like, hi. Hi. <laughs> and until you say that you're willing to give me time, I will keep coming. That's one thing about me. I will be annoying. Perfect. It, it's, and do you know what? And I would say it's worked out for you so far. Yeah. So yeah. far. One day um, it'll be like, stop Kelsey. But. Right. And so now like, so women in sport, and I mean, I think I want to talk more just about the professional part of it, right? Not about, you know, not about the athletic part of it, but about the, you know, the role that women play in sport. And as you navigate what has always been a male dominated world, but more so now the impacts of like, it's all on social media. So much like you are available to every single troll. And I have a lot of, you know, words for a lot of shitty humans out there, um, that 
just attack women based on what they say, how they look, et cetera, et cetera. And so how, how do you navigate that, Kels? Because you can have all the confidence in the world, but like that shit takes you down. Yeah. Um, I would actually love if someone came at me for what I say, because Mm -hmm. no one ever has actually, if someone wanted to listen to me and have a different opinion, I would love that. I get all the looks ones, like all of them. Mm -hmm. And so I actually made a conscious decision. I don't know if you noticed, but I've deleted like my family and my husband from my Instagram because I didn't want them in the public. Right. So like, I don't have my mom, my dad, my brother, my husband, I don't have anyone on there anymore because I, I don't want that for them Yeah. because of this season. And because of like the DMS that I've gotten this year. So like, I'm not going to say it was like a hard decision, but it was like a conscious thing that I was like, I don't want my husband to be on here anymore. And I might get more DMS, like bad ones to me because of that, because people might think I'm single, but like, I don't, I would rather save him or like save my mom from Mm -hmm. anything. Well, it's like access is a privilege, right? And to allow these people who are just faceless really with no shame to come at you with any type of personal information. It's such an invasion of privacy. Yeah. And I would never want like someone to message like my mom or my dad and be like, your daughter's this, this, and this. Like, I don't want my dad to see that. Yeah. Like even though none of it's true, I still wouldn't want that for my parents. Um, because I mean, like I've posted some of like the like funnier ones and I'm sure you've seen them, but like I get some really nasty ones too. Like someone messaged me, I guess it was a couple months ago now. And they were literally like, I know where you live and I'm going to come kill you. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. But like, obviously it, w- it was like a kid. I'm assuming like, it's not real, but like, it still scares the shit out of me. Of like I'm living by myself. You're human. Mm-hmm. Like you're human. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just like, it's just something that I, I was just, I so appreciate though you sharing actually that side of it publicly because I think people forget of the shit that women in male dominated fields put up with. And I, again, I just, you nailed it when you said, I wish people would come at me for the things that I say as opposed to how you look. I would love that. Yeah. But they couldn't. Actually, I had a really good one the other day. I'm going to share this with you because I think it's a lesson that people need to hear. Hold on. Okay. Here it is. Okay, so he messaged me on August 25th. And it's going to sound totally cool at first, okay? So on August 25th, he said, Miss Wright, hello, I am a student in whatever university, Master of Sport Administration program. An assignment for one of my classes is to interview 20 sport managers or administrators currently working in the field. I was wondering if you would be willing to let me interview at a convenient time. Super sweet, right? Yep. Usually I would say yes. But I scroll up to his previous messages to me. And there's three. Mm, there's okay. three. The last one was, what's the Snapchat, boo? And I'm like, okay. The one before that is, I wouldn't pay $2 million for the Clippers, but damn, I would pay for dinner with you, winky face. Oh my God. And then the one before that is, holy shit, your tits. Wow. So I replied to the young gentleman and I said, Hello. Normally I would be totally available to help however I could with your schooling, but unfortunately after scrolling up and seeing your inappropriate and demeaning comments to me previously, I'll have to say no. Please remember to always treat people with dignity. And he didn't reply. Yes, queen. I was like, that just deserves a bit of a slow clap, right? Like, 
Like what? Like, like, uh, the entitlement, hey? Like, uh, just like it blows. Like that one is pretty tame. Like I get ones that are like, I want to F you, you dirty slut. And I'm like, but you know, it's tame Kels, but it's, it's the manipulation behind it. Right. It was like, first time didn't work. Second time didn't work. Kate, well now I'm going to come at it from a different angle whether he's a student in that yeah. program or not, whatever. But it's like, now I'll try this. But yeah, there's some pretty bad ones. The kill yourself one was the one that kind of hit me the most. Like I can kind of take people being like, your makeup sucks or like, yeah, whatever. It's the ones that like literally like come at me that I'm like. So then, so again, this is like classic you. So you went into protective mode of your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what do you do for you? Nothing. And that's probably a problem. <laughs> Don't worry. This isn't therapy hour. Um, no, but you know what I mean? Cause like that's gotta pay 10 bucks for that here. <laughs> right. But it's, that's it. Like, I think like, and the like helping and protecting behavior is so common when we experience things like that. But then it's like when it keeps coming, it's, you know, but what are you doing for you to, to manage that? Because at some point it, at some point, some comments, breaks through when it shouldn't yeah it was uh there's been like obviously like weekly I'd say there's times where I'm like I want to delete social media and like put my phone away and not have it ever yep and like I can't because it's my job exactly but like I don't think I found a way to disconnect yet well it's it's tough right like how how do you because it it is your job but on top of that we're in a pandemic and so not only is it your job, it's also how you stay connected to the people who matter the most to you. Yeah. Like I can't just put my phone down because then I can't talk to my mom or my husband or whoever. I don't mean to keep leaving out my dad either. I just FaceTime with my mom more. Like I talk to my dad. <laughs> Listen, you never have to justify to a mama why you call your mama more. I was like, um, my son better always call me first. <laughs> I was like, and also your dad, your dad just knows, he knows, he knows, he knows that you know how loved you are. Um, But yeah, like that's just something. And, you know, even just talking with, with various students that are pursuing, you know, journalism or even though our students on the campus that I met that work for the student paper, they often talk about too, like how they can best support each other when they get the awful comments under their pieces that they write and they're just not prepared to take that hit because there's just trolls. And I think we have a tolerance for, you know, where we can be like, yeah, whatever. That's just a troll. That's just a troll. But suddenly it's actually somebody who maybe does have their full name and they say something that just, just gets us where all of our insecurities are. Right. And I think that's one of the biggest things is like, I, so I wrote for Yahoo for a long time or not for a long, for like a year, a long time in my career. Cause I moved some around so much, but <laughs> I was at, like legitimately and being honest with you, I was fine with comments under my stories because it was like, this writer is stupid. I disagree with this fact. Like my Instagram is literally like, your nose is too big. Yep. You are a whore. And I'm like, what? Me? Yeah. Or like, oh, you know what the one was? And it was, it was public on Twitter. Oh, okay. So at halftime of each game, I do a tweet on the Memphis Grizzlies Twitter. So it has like a million followers. And I'm like, Hey, these are the three keys that we need to work on, you know, like box out, whatever, whatever. 
Yep. Someone commented and it, they were like, um, oh my God, your lips are nice. I want to see them around my dick or something. Oh. And like my employer sees that. My parents see that. Like it's open for the world. My mom commented back. I'm pretty sure my dad commented back. My bosses brought me in and I was like, I like, I don't, I, they, no one, there was, that was the only one. No one commented on like what I said, anything. It was just that. And then I end up having to like go through all these hoops being like, mom, I'm like, delete it. Like, don't worry about it. My boss brings me in for a talk. Like, and then I have to deal with that when the person is disgusting. And it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Right. And like, that's where I think as like, just in general, as like larger organizations, we, they all need to get better at this. They all need to, we need to get better at like the way that we, you know, sexualize women in the workplace, in our roles and what we do. So, oh, Kelsey, thank you for sharing those examples because you just, sadly, you're not alone. But also I think too, it's, there's, there's just going to be so many people who have put themselves out there wanting to, and that's something that's definitely going to hold them back as exposure. But I have a question for you now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Just when you talk about what your students do and how they support each other, what, like, what do they do? Do you know what? Like we, this is funny because I was like, oh, we need to figure out something more for them. And I just said like, we need to all get together. Like this is maybe the social worker in me where I'm like, we need to get together as a group of writers. And like, this is where I sound all Brene Brown, but we need to find ways to get vulnerable with each other. And so I'm so tired of the voices of like, whatever, I just like let it roll off my back or it's not a big deal. Or like, I want to be a journalist. This is a part of the deal. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But what about the human part of you? Because that's not okay. And I'm glad that you're okay with it. And maybe you're in your fourth year and you're used to this, but you weren't always okay with it. And if you keep saying it's okay, everyone below you now thinks that it ha- they have to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just facilitating this this space where people can just talk about actually like how much it hurts and just like hold space and, and carry the load together and getting people who've, you know, experienced the same like hate mail and same comments and be willing to actually go there with like how it impacted them and the insecurities that it actually attacked. It makes me sad that there is students who think that like that's part of the deal just for the job because like it's it's not it might be common and we might have made this like something like you said that we're like okay with in this profession but it's that's not part of the job like Mm -hmm. part of the job is not and there's a difference like if you get a comment disagreeing or like bringing a fact or saying they don't like your writing style that's different than like attacking someone um and I don't think the attacking part is I don't think that should be part of it. Like, I don't know why that's been made to just be okay. I agree. And like, that's where like, and it's again, somebody who's not in the profession, it, again, it's, it's, you know, I, people would be like, yeah, okay, well, you're the social worker. Of course we'll have circle time. We'll talk about our feelings, but it's like, again, we, we can't make this an okay thing. Look where mm-hmm. that's gotten us today. The more that we've tolerated, like tolerance is not okay for shitty behaviors. Mm-hmm. And if we can start working on building these climates where it's not okay and we stand together, I think we're going to be better off because of it. And I think the voices of like of these people <laughs> um, just isn't as loud, right? Because I think every single troll is out there just trying to actually make the greatest impact on like getting the comments. 
Mm-hmm. I will say, um, like, I know this doesn't help your students or like, no, but it's comment section, but Instagram and Twitter, at least I don't go on Facebook anymore, but I'm sure they're doing something. They, they're really good at like keyword and deleting. And then also if you report something they're like, I get a response back in 24 hours and it's usually taken down. Like if I awesome. report something, it disappears real quick and then I get the response. So, I mean, it's better than nothing, right? Like it's a step. Cause that it's wasn't a step. Always- No. And I think too, it's like when we look at like these smaller, um, smaller platforms or school newspapers and things, I think we have to start investing the money on the comment section on what's actually allowed to be commented and mm-hmm. what you have to share. Like you have to actually give a first name or a last name or it has to be tied to actually an Instagram account or a Twitter account yeah. so that it follows you as opposed to getting to be anonymous and protected and saying awful things to yeah. very amateur people. Yeah. Um, okay. So Kels, we are getting closer to the end before I do like our deep dive rapid fire that I want to do for you. Um, so I know me too. They're my, like, it's my favorite just to get people like off of the subject and get to know people better. Um, but like for all of the women coming behind you, what's, what's your advice? And I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to leave out, um, you know, I, I hate that I'm like gendering this, of course, but as a, a person who identifies as a woman and something that I'm passionate about, but for, you know, for the women coming behind you, what, what advice do you have? What, what do they need to do? Um, I'm so bad at giving advice, but maybe I can share advice that's helped me and hopefully that can help someone else. Yep. Um, so I have been so lucky to have so many mentors in this arena um, like honestly, the, this is going to sound crazy. Cause I feel like people think women are like super catty or competitive, but the women in sports media are like this tight knit group. Even if you only know each other on social media, it is like, I can reach out to like, maybe not like the big ones, like Sage Steel or whatever, but I can reach out to like anyone and they will get back to me with like real answers right away. Like I wow. came to the NBA And like, this is my first year actually working, working in NBA. And I came here in November and I got Christmas presents sent to me from other women in the league. Like what? How incredible. It it honestly is incredible. So like my, my first piece of advice would be find those mentors that you trust. And the mentors that I reached out to were people that I thought I had a similar personality to, um, like on camera. So like, I was like, wow, I really like the way for example, like Allie Clifton, I really like the way that she gets to know the players and you can see like they have the relationship. I was like, I want that. Mm-hmm. So she was one of my mentors. I was like, Allie, I would like to be closer to you. Um, there's a girl named Lindsay Smith and I really like how she, she does a podcast with the Phoenix Suns and she's like really like silly and fun, but she also like wants to be an analyst and you can see that. So I reached out to her. I'm like, Lindsay, teach me how to be a podcast host. Um, and then there's one other, her name's LaChina Robinson and she works in the WNBA. Um, and her biggest piece of advice that I've taken, like from the start, like I remember talking to her in Orangeville when I was working high school basketball, her biggest thing was always be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds really stupid. And we talk like, that's like the most generic thing that we tell like kindergartners, but she watched my demo and she was like, I, your demo right now is different than how you are on the phone. And you don't want that. Like you want to come off like genuine 
And that's like actually hard to do in journalism, whether you're writing or speaking, yeah. but like being yourself, looking like you're actually having fun because you're covering a fucking basketball game. Like right? have fun. You don't have to be like, <laughs> like so a statue. Yeah. Um, I think that was the one piece of advice that I, and I know that sounds so silly because that's like something you could tell any profession, but it comes to light a lot in yeah. journalism, like find your voice and take little things from a bunch of different people that you like and make it you, but have that come off genuinely is like the big thing. And also like, I don't know, find someone, find a friend that you can vent to and send these awful DMs to that'll make you feel better. Yes. You need sight. You need like, again, it takes a village, right? Like you need your people in your corner. Um, So who have been your biggest supporters, Kels? Like other than my family or like, do they count? They count. Aw, my mom and my dad are amazing. I have an older brother who is six years older than me and he's been my best friend. Like I wanted to be him since I was like 10. So he's <laughs> my best friend. Obviously my husband um, and Georgia. Like she's, like I said, she's my high school coach and then my university coach and then literally like started me in this process. I talked to her probably like once a month, but for like a long time, like oh, I love it. four hours. Um, she's aw. Now I miss her. She's a gift. That one. I have not like talked to Georgian forever, but she's an absolute gift. So that's so great that the two of you stay the connected. The thing about her is that, and I think is a really important is that you find someone like her. She's like brutally honest. Yes. Like, yes. To the point where like, she doesn't care if she hurts your feelings in a nice way. Like she'll yeah. hurt your feelings. But like you need it. But but with the intent to get you where you want to go. Oh yeah, she's not mean. You know what I mean though. But it's just like if you say that you want to achieve something, then she is going to like knock down any barrier in your way to help you get to where you want to go. Why the hell are you doing this then? Right. I don't know. So if you're going to tell her something, my mom will be like, "I know, Kelsey, you'll get there. Like I love you. You're everything's perfect." And I'm like, "Need that?" And I'll talk to Georgia. She'll be like, "Why the hell do you do this?" And I'm like good point. Right. (laughs) So important to have that. And like, again, as, I mean, as humans, but as women, we need, like, we need to do better though at accepting that brutal honesty because that's where growth is. Like growth is not comfortable, Mm -hmm. you know? So we need to have those people that will like give us the truth so that we, we can, we can grow through it as opposed to just like, "Uh, I'll wait for something good to happen. Yeah. I don't know if you feel this way and tell me if you don't, but I feel like the women that I know in this industry that were athletes in their previous life have this like way of taking constructive criticism in a different way. Like yes. I, I love constructive criticism. I would almost rather have someone be like this, this podcast episode is horrible. This video is horrible, but you did really good here. Mm-hmm. Cause I find like it, I don't know if it like relates more to what I've experienced in life. Like, I, like you and I, like we were used to being yelled at every day for five years. Like yeah. I just like, I want someone to tell me what's good and what's bad rather than someone just be like, yeah, try, try again in another way. Like just tell me this is good and bad, but I see the difference in people who didn't play sports. Yes. And I think it's like one, like the bullshit meter, like mm-hmm. I can, like the words don't even have to come out of your mouth. And I'm just like, you're lying. So therefore I don't trust 
any feedback you give me because you've just told me that that was great and it it wasn't. Like I know that that's not good. So. Like I know that like that's actually not even what I was asking you about and it was <laughs> shitty. Um, so thanks for like totally discrediting yourself next. <laughs> Yeah. So, and I, I agree. I think that there is like women in sport. It, I love that the ability to take constructive criticism, but also like that team mentality, right? Where it's like, wait a second, if we all do well, I do well. See, I'm actually facing that at work right now, like without like getting into too much detail. Um, there is, there is people at work who didn't, and I'm not saying that people who don't play sports, like can't do this. Like, that's not at all what I'm saying. But just what I'm going through right now, there's people who didn't, and then there's people who did. And right now, as a team, we have something really good coming up. And I'm really excited for it because it means that, like, us as a group are going to get something really good. Mm-hmm. But there is two people in my team right now that are mad that they're not the ones doing it. And I'm like, but, like, it's going to be so good for, like, our, like... Our team. Digital team. So, like, let's put ourselves aside. But that's just one thing. And that's everywhere. Right. And I think it is like, we just like, yeah, we have to learn that. Like, it's like, it's, it's so again, cliche, but it is like together we rise. Right. So it's like, how can we just do it for each other? And if I have to take a step back so you can get what you need, like I can ensure you that it's going to come back and I'm going to, I am also going to have opportunities. Like, and I just like this, it's that scarcity mentality. We are so like stuck in fear and not enoughness. And it's like, Hey, well, there's like more than enough to go around. And this is where I get into my hippie, like it's love, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's it's there. Anything that makes your team or your work or your workplace look better, like it just reflects better on you. So Yeah. Team mentality. I'm here for teaming. Team mentality. Oh, I miss having days. I miss road trips. I miss having my friend. I just had to grab water. One second. I'm really sorry. Please do. Yep. It was just on the table next to the couch, but then I had to move over here because my computer was dying. Um, Yeah. I miss, I talked to uh, Angela, like Angela Tilk. I was talking to her this morning and I miss just like going on road trips and being with your like 13 best friends every single weekend. And like, talking shit with them every single day for two hours at practice. Like I miss that so much. It was so, you didn't even know what we had. You know what I mean? It was such a simple, simple, simple way to be. And yet it felt like it was so big at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I had my dad with me. Like I saw my dad every single day and now I haven't seen him in a year. I know. And like, that's just actually straight up not fair. Yeah. That's Yeah. That's just not fair, right? Oh, okay, Kels. So before we head into the rapid fire round, um, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for just like shedding light on just just what you're doing and who you are. I think more people get to know like the you and not the version that they just see on the TV because there's so much depth to you, Kels. Um, is there anything... Um, anything else that you need to add or something that I should have asked you that I didn't? Um, hmm. That's the hardest question. That's, you know, they teach that in journalism school to ask if there's anything you're missing at the end. So I should have been prepared for this. (laughs) Come on. You're a journalist. A journalist. (gasps) I'm a journal loser or no. (laughs) I quit. I quit life. It's Um, late. Actually, now that I like just looked up and saw my shirt, 
Oh my God. Yes. Yes. I just want to say my one big thing is, um, female empowerment and keeping young girls in sport. So yes, young girls don't give up. (laughs) That's my one thing. Okay. And Kels, where do we find out more about that? Because you actually are part of an organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually, they have one in Saskatoon. I'm pretty sure. Um, this one's called fast and female. There's lots of them like this. It's, it's essentially like you can hire fast and female to come to a school or well, probably not now with COVID, but a school, an event, whatever. And they will bring a group of college athletes, Olympians, whoever they have in your city to come and talk to girls, do Q and A's, run activities. And the whole thing is that I don't know the percentages off by heart. I have to Google it every time, but like a massive percentage of girls drop out by the age of 14 because they're uncomfortable with themselves or they feel peer pressure. Um, so it's just an organization that tries to keep girls in sport and not for the idea that like every girl has to go play professionally or college or whatever, but more that it builds leaders and good community members and that confidence, that teamwork. Um, so like, even if you're not great at sport, it, it, this organization will do stuff with, you know, like getting girls doing scorekeeping or refereeing or just being involved because it does build such like strong qualities in women. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love that you're just so a part of it. I think you're such a good role model. So, oh, I'm so glad you do it. And so in the show notes at the end, Kels, I'm going to share all of that. I'm going to share where people can actually find you, um, just like on Instagram and with Grind City and with the Grizzlies. So I won't make you like spell out and, you know, go through all of the different accounts because... Tell them to be nice. Oh my, if they are, so help me God, if they are not nice. I no. reply to DMs. I reply to most people unless they're mean. And people who are mean don't deserve a response. So that's right. They get blocked. (laughs) Um, Okay. So rapid fire, rapid fire. Okay. Okay. So, and again, there's no such thing as a stupid answer and just think. I embrace my stupid sometimes. So don't worry. I love it. And just whatever, whatever comes to mind. So I want to know, um, what is something that listeners and followers should know about you? Um, oh, these are hard ones. I was going to be like, what's your favorite color? Um, something that they, should, that they don't already when we've been talking for an hour. Yeah. Um, can it be cheesy? Totally. Okay. I'm named after Michael Jordan and only my dad will admit it. My middle name is Jordan. <laughs> Love it. Um, What is something you are not good at? Oh, God. Math, science, speaking to new human beings that I don't know. (laughs) What is the number one sign that you are overwhelmed? Mm, Crying, but like a different type of crying. Yep. There's like, I cry on a daily basis, but then there's like, like crying, crying. I cry a lot, but there's different cries. Oh yeah. Like just you, like, see, you know how like you can tell if the baby's hungry or if like the baby's tired. Yeah. Yeah. My overwhelm cry is like, I, I know, I know it's, that cry. Yeah. It's like, I couldn't fold the fitted sheet and now I cry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, 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 it's a real thing of overwhelm. I love that. Yeah. Um, like, oh, I forgot to turn the dryer on. Why don't I just ball for 20 minutes? Like, it's not about the dryer. It's never about the dryer. 
right? <laughs> um, you get to go to pr- to brunch with one famous person. It has to be alive. I don't want your dead dreams. So at one famous person, who is it? Define famous first. Just famous to you. That's a great question. I'm going to go with Meghan Markle. Okay. I want to know one question that you want to ask her. How do you deal with public scrutiny? Ugh. That woman would have so much wisdom, I think, for all of us. I don't her acting or, like, that she is famous or whatever. I want to talk to her about, like, how she is so graceful in intense scrutiny. Yep. Yet people's livelihood is based on sinking her. Yes. And she's so graceful and so, like, smart and brilliant. And she kind of stands for the same things as me. Like, she's really into... Yes. Um, you know, like young girls gaining those leadership roles and stuff. And so I've kind of always looked up to her, but in I, can't recent- wait for, I can't wait for the two of you to meet someday. Ah, maybe she moves to Canada. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. Um, what, Hey, you guys could meet in the States. You're both trapped down there. Oh girl. Is she here? She's in California. Oh, <gasps> I'm going to LA this weekend. I'm Megan. Right? Harry and Archie can do their own thing and you you and the Markle can hang out. I'm down for that. Speaking yeah, of I think... <laughs> um, what is one habit you have that makes your day easier? These are good ones. Like These are ones where you actually have to think. Um, one habit I have that makes my day easier. I think walking Lou. Because I walk him bright and early in the morning. Like I get up at like 6, 6.30 and walk him. And I walk him for like an hour. And that literally like sets my day because I have an hour to myself to like think and prep and have time to, I know unwinding is not the right word because it's the beginning of the day, but whatever the equivalent of that is. Yep. Ramp start. Up. Yeah. But it yeah. is unwinding. You still like, you can still wake up with a lot in your head. At least I do. Um, if you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what's just, what's something that she really needs to hear from you? Stop plucking your eyebrows. I was watching, no, I'm, I'll give you an actual answer. I was watching those videos today. There's a video from my rookie year at Ryerson where someone, they're like interviewing me to like how to shoot a free throw. It was supposed to be like funny. Oh, my eyebrows are gone. Where were they? Like I thought it was just a problem of the 90s, but it went on for decades. I think they, like, didn't grow back for a while, too. Like, I don't know how I... I don't know. They're so bad. I love it. That, no, we're leaving it there. That's that's a good <laughs> message. Um, this one is... I, I think we need to, like, make this your, like, grandparents, because I think your parents would have too good of an answer. But, like... How would your parents or grandparents describe what you do for a living? Oh, my grandma. My grandma's so great. My grandma is so great. She has no idea. She has no <laughs> idea. Like, okay, my grandma would probably say, my granddaughter, Kelsey. <laughs> um, I think she would just say my granddaughter, Kelsey interviews basketball players. I think she would keep it very simple. Yep. 
just okay. down there in the NBA. She has absolutely, she hasn't, I don't, I don't think she would say NBA. I don't think she knows that. That you just interview basketball players. Yeah. I think she thinks like, cause she knows basketball. She's not like that crazy. She's been to my games, but I don't think she knows. She knows what the Raptors are. Yeah. But other than the Raptors, I don't think she knows who they play or what league they're in. I think she, and I send her videos sometimes. So she sees me talking to like tall guys. Yep. So I think she would keep it very simple and just say. That's adorable. Yeah. Um, what's on your nightstand? Lisa, I live alone without my husband. You don't want to know what's on my nightstand. Right. I, have a, I have a diffuser and it, uh, every night before bed, I put a little lavender in there. Yep. And I have lip chop because I put lip chop on before bed every night and a lamp. Nice. What's on yours? Actually a lamp and a plant. Oh, a plant. Fancy. Right? Yeah. I like little basketballs. Can you see them? Oh my God. That's really cute. That's cute. <laughs> of course. Right. Of course it's basketball paraphernalia. Um, what is your favorite order at your hometown restaurant? Can it not be hometown and just home country? Because I miss Swish LA so much. <laughs> yeah, tell me what's your order. Uh, oh, super simple. Quarter chicken with fries, like of white course. meat with a multigrain bun. But oh my God, I was trying to explain to someone the other day what Swish LA was and like what the Swish LA sauce was. They're like, so it's gravy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But it's not. Like, it's not gravy. It's like, how do you, like, how do you explain Swish LA sauce? I don't know. It's like... I know because it's like I, I want to always call it like spiced gravy, like not spicy, okay. but yeah. it's got like I don't know like cloves and some shit in it. Like it's weird. Yeah, I've never been to Swish LA. Or... Oh, I uh, I love Swish LA. I I feel like it's a, a big Ontario thing, else. Okay. Because every yeah, all you Ontario girls were always like, "Let's go to Swish LA," and I was like, "Why can't we just go to McDonald's?" <laughs> that's fair I yeah maybe it is do you have social LA's like out west though yeah but like we don't I don't think we have one in Saskatoon yeah yeah we're like we're totally limited with our Swiss chalet that's a that's a real shame you're something like we need, to, sauce. we need to get this girl some sauce you need to get um your parents need to freeze some well it comes in packets now that you can buy at the grocery store oh my god so there you go not mm-hmm. the same, but not the same, but it would, I actually sent like this long list to my husband like two weeks ago and he sent me like a bunch of stuff like, like ketchup chips and like fuzzy peaches that we don't have down here that I needed. And I yeah. put special LA sauce on my list and I opened my box and it didn't have it in it. So that's probably why it's online right now. <laughs> probably. Um, and, <laughs> and then just the final question is when you're having a shitty day, mm-hmm. what do you do to make yourself feel better? Um, okay. So this is probably very unhealthy, but hold on. I'm actually going to like show you. There's no judgment here. Okay, first of all, I buy something. Cause like I have way too many clothes and shoes. I literally will online shop while I'm eating. Look at all this ice cream. These are all empty and I bought oh, like half empty. I bought them yesterday. Yeah. Three of them. Ben and Jerry's. So I buy stuff and I eat too much crappy food. Yeah. But it honestly makes me feel better. And then, and then you get an extra surprise because then like a week later you get something in the mail and you're like, 
double happiness shot. Right. That was my entire like mat leave when I was up feeding a newborn baby. Like I would just like Amazon Prime the shit out of the world and like not even remember because it, it was like three in the morning and then it would be like two days later. I'd be like, oh, hey, hey, that I don't need that anymore. I needed that then. Amazon's dangerous though because it just saves your card. So like, yes. you don't even have to like, there's always that like, oh, do I want to get up, go in my wallet, pull out my card, type in the number with Amazon. It's just like, right. Yep. That's like the hack that I tell students all the time. Kels is one deactivate one clip, sho- one click shopping from Amazon and two turn off the, are you um, like the autoplay on Netflix? Like how it just rolls into the next show. Wait. I want to activate that on Netflix. Yours doesn't just roll into the next show automatically? No. No. Oh, man. What's going on? My, like, Netflix, at least for a couple shows, I just, like, goes into the next one. It just auto-plays. Okay, well, now I have to... I'm going to write this down. Yeah, like, I get three episodes before I get shamed by the Netflix screen. Are you still watching? Are you still watching? Would you like to order pizza? Yes, I'm still here. Of course, I'm still here. I'm alone. Okay. Well, Kels, that ends the rapid fire round. Um, So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was really fun and also made me think that I need to start taking care of myself. So maybe I needed the reminder. Uh, Oh, my God. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've got one more favor to ask of you. If you liked what you're listening to, can you please subscribe and leave a review? These things matter and I would be super grateful. Also, I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, be brave, play big, and get curious. Thank you for Highlighting Real with me. Highlighting Real is produced by me, Lisa Gregg, but more realistically, by my very own personal handsome husband, of Yes Dear Productions, Ross Nielsen. The show's music is also created and performed by the very same guy, Ross Nielsen. 